Welcome to the Introvertpreneur Podcast. Take a breath because you are in the right place and you can finally stop apologizing for being an introvert. I'm Tara and I've discovered how to thrive as an entrepreneur while being 100% true to myself. Now I want to help you do the same. In these episodes, you're going to find everything you need to build a successful service-based business so you can stop competing with extroverts and grow and market your business with ease. Are you ready? Welcome back to another episode of the Introvertpreneur Podcast. We are joined today by Lucy, who is the copywriter behind the company, My Right Hand Woman. She specializes in helping female entrepreneurs lean into their unique voices and capture their ideal clients with compelling and fun words. I've worked with Lucy and I absolutely love her. She is a genius with words and I am so excited you are here on the podcast. Thank you. I really appreciate that beautiful intro and I'm really excited to be with you again. You're so fun to write for and I think this is going to be a great conversation. Thank you. So I would love for you to start and just share a little bit about your story, maybe how you got started in business and as a copywriter. Absolutely. I think my story is a little non-traditional in the fact that I've never had a quote-unquote real job. I knew from the get-go that I wanted to be in the world of entrepreneurship. I just loved working with people who had big dreams and visions and didn't want to do the whole corporate thing. So right out of college, I started my business, My Right Hand Woman, really grassroots, like had a writing portfolio from some writing I did in college on a Word document that I would just DM to people who are looking for a writer. And then from there, I started to gain confidence and lean into my own voice. That snowballed into me developing a special interest in helping female entrepreneurs lean into their voices so that they can write in a way that's really personality packed and fun and witty and it positions them as the expert. It makes sales. So all the things, but really wanted to just focus on helping women have not bland copy that lets them bring their whole selves to the table in their business so they can grow. I feel like copy is so important, but I feel like for introverts in particular, it's a great way to get your voice out there without having to show up and speak and go live. It's like, let your words showcase who you are and your personality and what you have to offer. I mean, I like to joke that good coffee helps you make sales while you're just drinking mimosas. So it completely takes away the need to sell or do a ton of coffee chats or cold DMs or whatever your marketing strategy is. If your coffee is good, you just drop the link to your website and then you get the one can we start in your inbox. And I think that's the best part of coffee. Yeah, that's so amazing. Because I tend to, when it comes to coffee... I've gotten better, I think, but I always struggled with copy because I tend to be very to the point. It doesn't really showcase my personality. (laughs) So for somebody that's struggling with that, what would your best tip be for trying to put more of their personality into their own copy? I just also want to start by saying that there's nothing wrong with being to the point. I think you might even be happier if your copy is a little bit more on the to the point side because you would attract more people that are like, yes, love her, love that she just like gets right down to it. That's me. We're going to be a soul aligned fit. So I would say definitely leaning into that if that's what you naturally 
feel that your writing emulates. And then just taking some sections and seeing where can you insert a little joke or where can you put a little bit more of your story, maybe in that section where you're connecting with them before you get into the offer or you're talking about the overarching value of what you're offering. Those are great places to just be a little bit too real. Or if you have a specific mini narrative that you want to share for why you created this program, that's a great way of just putting a little bit more of yourself into something where you'd otherwise be like, buy my thing. This is awesome. And then just like call it a day after one paragraph. So that's a great way to beef things up with some more personality. I love how you said that because it's so important. Even if you hire a copywriter, like you have to give you, because somebody hires you, they have to give you some of their personality so that you can craft it into the copy because otherwise it makes your job a lot harder. (laughs) Yeah. And the main thing is as a copywriter, I have way more tools than just someone telling me who they are. I think that would be a lot of pressure on a 30 minute strategy call. If I'm like, give me your life story. So I will often look at a client's Instagram lives if they do that, or just even the way they write their captions or how they portray themselves in their visual branding. All of those provide clues because if someone's a little more quiet and extroverted and I write in a tone that's boisterous and blunt, they're going to be like, I'm so uncomfortable by this sales page. So it's really important that the personalities match and you're not just manufacturing some personality for the sake of making them more zesty or more controversial. I think that's one of the common misconceptions around copywriting. A lot of people think that as a copywriter, you just sit down and write and you nail it. Whereas there's a lot of research that goes into it and is so necessary for getting that copy that's going to fit the brand, that's going to convert for the audience. It's not just putting pen to paper. (laughs) Yeah, tons of research, especially research just into your ideal client. I think oftentimes we think a lot about ourselves, like what's my personality? How do I want to explain this offer? But honestly, that doesn't matter if your ideal client's not reading it and feeling super connected to it. So much of what I do is obviously I care about my client, how they feel about things and how they describe themselves. But even more, I will go and look at all of the people that they're trying to serve and see like what their needs are so we can make sure that it's speaking to them. I love that. What would you say about maybe some tips about keeping brand tone consistent? Because I feel like I'm a multi-passionate. So that's, I feel like something that I've struggled with too, with multiple offers, multiple ideal clients for different offers and value ladders. So it can be hard to hammer down that consistency when it comes to brand tone. It's something that As much as we want to say like your brand tone is how you naturally write, there is an element of it that's a little bit manufactured. Thinking about the adjectives that you want to be present in all of your writing. Do you want to be perceived as funny or would you like to be perceived as a little bit more of a formal expert? There's really no one right way to sound. It's just whatever is resonating with the people that you're trying to reach. I would recommend having some sort of guide, especially if you have a team, like this is how we write. These are the kinds of words we use. These are the words that you will never find in our writing because we are repulsed by them and just make it so that if you're going to be using a lot of short sentences and fragments, your team knows that. Or if you're going to be using a lot of bigger words because you want to portray yourself as a more intimidating expert, then your team knows that. So it's just a matter of making sure everyone who's touching the writing touch points of your brand knows what you want to sound like, knows the adjectives that you want to portray. That's so important. 
like you said, there could be multiple people touching (laughs) the writing of your brands. I have a brand voice document. I actually didn't put it together. My VA that has been with me the longest, who is now my podcast manager, she actually put it together. And then I just reviewed it and I was like, oh, she nailed it. Like she, (laughs) she got everything, like how I talk, certain things that I would never say or certain things that I would never say, especially to my introverts. I feel like some people talk to introverts in a way of like, you have to push yourself and that's not my message. (laughs) So she nailed every point on that document. It's been so helpful even for me to refer back to it when I'm planning something. (laughs) I think that's something that is really hard for someone to do for themselves is quantify their own brand tone. So If you came to me and asked for that advice, I would say the exact same thing of have someone on your team help you or do it for you because they're that outside opinion. That's the thing too. I feel like sometimes we get too in our heads about our own offers. I can look at somebody else's sales page and I can, I'm not a copywriter, let's be honest, but I feel like I can see things that I wouldn't be able to see on my own sales page when I'm trying to do a review of it. It's like, I'm too close to it. No, that's super common. Sometimes I'm too close to it. Like I'm really open about the fact that when I'm launching a really big offer, I'm like, I need eyes on this sales page because especially for me, my tone is a little bit outrageous and I will go for the joke and I do want to be like fiery on the internet. So I'm like, I need to make sure I'm not offending the world. So usually it's between four to five people will read a piece of copy that's really important for my own offers before it's launched. I'm big into second opinions because we are close to it and we won't see something that someone else might be like, um, you need to definitely take that out. And speaking of that, I have to talk about your sales page for your copy roast services, because for anyone listening, if you want to see a fire piece of copywriting, visit the copy roast sales page. It is absolutely amazing. I was just reading it before we started the interview and I'm just blown away at how you've put your fiery personality into this offer, the messaging around the offer and how it ties into being roasted. I just love the entire idea and all of the copy on that page. Thank you so much. I had so much fun with that offer. I think what really bred that offer is I hit a realization last year that I want to move away from the traditional coaching model. I want to move more into that done for you space because that's what I love. But at the same time, not everyone's ready for a copywriter and wants to just throw down that four-figure investment and go for it. So I just really wanted to help people who needed that professional help, but just didn't want to do that. So I thought, oh, let's do an audit. But the word audit just sounded so corporate. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to call these things audits. Then I landed on the word Kathy Rose and I was like, okay, now we have somewhere to go from. So it really is an audit of someone's copy so they can make those actionable solutions that they need so it converts, but it's not giving all of your stuff to a copywriter and then having to just be really hands-off. It's so brilliant, the name. Because <laughs> it's like what you said, the word audit, I see that a lot, like copy audits. It reminds me of tax audits. <laughs> just... Me too. I'm like, there's no way the word audit is going in my business. I'm putting that in my brand tone guide. We don't use that word. So how did you come up with the name copy roast? Was that something that just came to you and then you just ran with it? Or was there some kind of brainstorming that you did? Because I love naming things. And I think that's so fascinating to hear what your process was like there. 
So it was actually such a split idea. Like it's so like the light bulb pops on top of my head because I was talking to a friend and I think I was ranting about another person. And I was like, oh, this person like totally just like roasted me on the phone. And then I was like, oh my God, wait, I could do that. I could make roast fun. Like I can put it in a sassy way and roast people's copy because I do it all the time. Just when I go on a sales page, I'm just like, oh man, I I wish they would do this or I wish they would do this. I guess it's like, could be nitpicking the copy, but it's really from a place of, I just want women to grow and have it so that their sales pages are immediately compelling. When I roast someone, I mean, you'll notice on the sales page, it's a little bit harsh and I'm really like playing around with that. Like you will be emotionally destroyed by the fire, but when it actually comes down to it, it's from such a place of love of just making sure that we're tearing apart the copy that isn't serving you. It's just making your ideal client click off the page. And I'm giving so many actionable solutions for how you can rewrite certain headlines, how you can make more CTAs more compelling so that you can basically laundry list down my suggestions, implement them, and then just send the page out and it'll make sales for you. I mean, that is the crux of what I want this offer to be. Absolutely brilliant. (laughs) So anyone listening, go check out that page. And if you need copy help, sign up to get roasted. So talking about sales pages, I feel like, is this true as a copywriter? You do tend to pick apart sales pages when you're checking out an offer, maybe thinking of buying something for yourself. You're like, oh, they could have improved this or they're missing this section and it's kind of needed here. Does that affect you as you're shopping or browsing for business courses or something? I do think so. Yeah. Sometimes I often think the way I express my love of coffee is by buying something. I think people think copywriters are like, we're super cynical and we can see through marketing, but I still buy skincare based on the packaging. I still will buy courses because I'm like, oh my God, that coach inspired me so much. Like I'm so ready. So I definitely love copy and I love seeing how everyone puts their unique spin on their copy. So it's not like I'm going through pages and being like, yikes. Okay. Like, no, I know what they're trying to do. I definitely don't like buying from things that feel overtly salesy to the point that they're like shoving something down my throat and making me feel less than. That's been a marketing tactic that I've never subscribed to. And when I see it on sales pages, it just kind of hits me viscerally. And I'm like, this is not a place that I would like to spend time in. I think that was one of the key things that I noticed about you when I first got in touch with you and hired you for a sales page. I was like, yes, she gets it. Because A lot of people in marketing, their copy does tend to be a little bit pushy and it doesn't really feel ethical sales messaging in a way. So I love that about you. Like that was one of the first things I was like, she gets it. She's perfect. (laughs) So sweet. Yeah. And I mean, pain points happen and obviously you touch on them with your ideal client, but I don't need to feel horrible about myself to buy your thing. We can just talk about the places where maybe things can be improved and then you can show me how your offer is going to improve that. I think that's more than enough. We don't need to do the whole, if you don't buy in 10 minutes, you're going to live a terrible life. (laughs) I just think that's so unnecessary. I see that a lot on tripwire pages where it's like, yes, I want the big button. Yes, I want this or add this to my order. And then underneath it, usually it's a Thrivecart tripwire page and they'll update it to say something like, no, I'm fine with my business not growing. I'm fine with failure. Yeah. It just seems so passive aggressive. 
what would you say are some of the common mistakes you see people make with sales pages in particular? I think the biggest mistake I see is even if it's long form and we expect it to be a lot of words, I see a lot of sales pages that are pretty wordy that use a lot of sentences close together. So it's difficult for people to skim it. The thing about long form sales copy is I think people have this notion that if it's long form, it's because you're expecting people to read it from top to bottom and read the whole sales page. But very few people are doing that. Most people are just going to skim through and see like, is this an offer that I could potentially see myself buying? They're going to look at headlines. They're going to look at copy that's maybe on a brighter background. So this is more of a formatting tip, but anywhere you can use bullets, anywhere you can make a font different so it draws their eye to something, anywhere you can bold a word, just so it doesn't look like English essay, like block of text. This way you can capture the skimmers. But when someone's really serious about buying, they'll probably read the page from top to bottom. You can also capture them. That's a good point. I've heard that about sales pages. A lot of people skim and I'm one of the few that will, I will read it top to bottom. (laughs) Absolutely. And I'm the kind of person where I'm such a skimmer. People think like as a writer, I'm probably going through things with a fine tooth comb, but that couldn't be further from the truth. I love design, even though everything I design looks like a two-year-old did it. I'm big into just first like experiencing the sales page. And then if I'm really serious about something, then I'll actually sit down and read it. What I said is kind of wrong. So I feel like I am a skimmer if it's not a high price tag. If it is kind of high and I'm on the fence, I will read the entire thing. But if it's a smaller price, I'm very much an impulse buyer and I will just skim and click the button as soon as I can to purchase. Yeah. And that's common. And that's why those pages that go on forever, like you can almost bet that it's going to be a high-end container at the end of it. Some people do long-form sales pages for like $19 tiny offers, but most people just make that like a compelling couple of sections kind of page. Because a lot of people are like you. They're like, okay, that's not that expensive if it's going to solve my problem. That's one of my problems with long-form sales pages. That's for not necessarily high ticket, but if they don't tell me, if I get to the end and there's no mention of price, I'm like, I just spent all this time. (laughs) I'm interested. And there's an application without pricing. I need more info. I need to know the price before I take my time to fill out an application form. And I've spent probably five minutes reading this entire sales page. And then I get to the bottom and there's no price. I know this is split, especially in the service provider industry, but I'm a big believer in transparent pricing more obviously for the person reading, but like also for you, you're going to be losing so many people who are going to get to the bottom of the page and be like, oh, there's no price. It's going to be like $8 million and I'm not going to be able to afford it. And I've done this with service providers. And I remember one time I was like, okay, well, let me reach out to her anyways, because I really like her work. She quoted me something that was half of what I was willing to pay. And I'm like, if you just put that on your site, I would have totally reached out sooner. I think it's just when you don't put the price, people think it has this perception of like luxury, but really what it is, is it's turning off people that might've been ready to just instantly buy. Yeah. I feel strongly about that too for my own offers. And also as somebody who is a potential client for something like I won't move forward unless there's a price listed or even some kind of ballpark figure where I can go into it, not totally blind. And like you said, if your sales page and your messaging and everything is really good, somebody's going to get to the end and think, oh, I can't afford this. This is way out of my price range. And then your example, like it was actually half of what you were expecting. 
So I'd love to kind of switch gears and talk a little bit about Instagram in terms of copy. So I know a lot of introverts struggle with Instagram. It's like the bane of a lot of people's existence. (laughs) I always talk a lot about when it comes to Instagram, introverts can really use their power through their content, but that does bring with it the copy element that you need to have great copy to attract people. What is your best piece of advice for writing good Instagram captions? I think there's this interesting idea on Instagram where you feel that you always have to be giving value, where you have to have these long-winded stories where you're perfectly explaining something to your ideal client so you give them a win, or you have to have these reels with all these transitions where at the end of the reel, you've just taught someone how to do something from A to B. I think that can work for some people, but it mostly works for people who enjoy creating the content, building an audience that way, where they just give tons of value. For me, don't get me wrong. I enjoy my Instagram. I like making reels, but I use my Instagram as a get to know me on a really surface level and then get yourself to my website and let's actually work together. I almost treat it I think a little bit more salesy than the average creator. That's like, I'm ready to just give, give, give value. I take it in a way where it's like, I'm just going to give enough value. So you know that I know what I'm talking about. And then let's actually work together. My main thing for that, if you're an introvert and you don't want to spend all day on Instagram is just honestly two posts a week that you feel really good about that. Your captions give information that position you as an expert. They give your client a quick win and then really lay it on with those CTA. What do they do? You don't want them sticking around on your Instagram page. You really want them clicking the link in your bio, going to your website, and then going into whatever program you usually have them start with or whatever is your best-selling offer if you're a service provider. You really want things to keep moving. So it's a journey. It's not just like they're spending time on your page and just scrolling through your content, maybe following you, but then going to the next page. You want them to be like, yep, okay, my person, let's move on. What's the next step for working with them? I think for somebody to say my person, and especially for service providers, that's a good point that you also need to share who you are. You need to share your personality because with you, like it was a lot of your personality and then looking at your work and your messaging around your own offers that sold me. So I feel like as service providers... A lot of times clients don't hire you necessarily for what you do. They hire you for who you are. So I think we need to start sharing more of ourselves, which can be terrifying for introverts. And I think there's this idea that your ideal client needs to see a ton of you. And that can be really stressful if you're an introvert because you're like, I have to show up all the time. But if you're going for an audience that, I mean, if you're in education, then maybe they might need to see a little bit more of how you can get them there, the transformation. But if you're a done for you service provider, your person is not coming to spend two hours scrolling through your content and seeing how they can do things themselves. They're coming to you because they want to hire you and just have you do it. So they're going to be a much faster decision maker than someone who wants to just completely immerse into your world, do all your coaching programs. So if you are a coach, then I think it's going to be on you a little bit more to show your face. If you're a service provider and you provide a good service, that's the best marketing you can do for yourself. So don't feel super stressed, like always be visible. I think sometimes too, with 
social media as a whole, but Instagram in particular, because it feels like it's such an active platform and it can get consuming at times. I feel like a lot of times we put too much pressure on ourselves too, to create all this fantastic content and it needs to be perfect. It needs to always deliver. We need to always be on. And I learned that some of the best performing posts that got me actual results were ones that I literally text recorded my voice on my phone. And it was the caption, how I would talk. It wasn't like, I need to perfect this. I need to get this point across. It needs to be a hundred percent grammatically correct. It was the real authentic. This is how I talk and this is who I am kind of captions. I always tell people grammar doesn't matter if it's not readable and people read voices best. So if you're coming from a place of conversation and how you speak, that's going to resonate so much better than you trying to emulate some grammar guide and make it perfect. What would you say for somebody who is coming to you and says, my copy is just not converting. What are some of the most important things that people should do or look at or consider when they're trying to figure out what needs fixing in their copy? That's a tough one because I compare it to when people are like, I'm not getting clients. It's kind of the same. These seem like big overarching issues, but usually the issue is stupidly simple. What I do is usually take things from big picture to the foundations, the bones. So often they'll say, my copy's not converting. Maybe I didn't put enough fun in my copy, or maybe people are clicking off because I don't have this one insert small thing, but usually it's an overarching issue with the messaging as a whole. So you have to go back down to the basics of what is the problem that your ideal client is trying to solve? How do they want this problem solved and what position are they in to work with you? So Do they want this to be a high ticket offer where they're willing to just throw money at the problem so it gets fixed within a couple of days? Or is this a client that is a potential consumer that's a little bit more nervous and they don't even know that they have this problem? Because when people do high ticket investing, they know they have a problem. They know they want it fixed. They fall in love with you. They book you for a call. But if someone doesn't know they have an issue, even if your offer is amazing, they're not going to resonate with the offer and put down that money and they're not going to convert because they're just not completely there yet. So maybe it's a matter of doing a little bit more educating on the issue or targeting someone different. And I think when you go back to the drawing board, you can usually find what the hole or the missing pieces and then move to the copy. And it's a good point that research piece is so essential. I think market research or competitor research, or do you usually suggest people do both? I suggest people do both. I do think they're in some ways interconnected. When you're going to be talking to your ideal client, you're also going to be asking them about your competitors. I also think competitors is an interesting word for the service industry. I mean, obviously, if you're selling toothpaste and you're Colgate, your competitors crest. But when you're a service provider, even if I'm a copywriter and someone else is a copywriter. There's so much difference in our voices and how we serve our clients that we're not even direct competitors. So I think sometimes as a service provider, your competitor is them not using your service. Let's say you are a web designer. Your competitor would be them thinking they can DIY their site on Wix. So your battle is going to be convincing them to use your service because your competitor is not another web designer. If they love your web design, they're going to use you, not the other person. 
person. It's a matter of them not backing up and being like, well, I guess I'll just do a Squarespace template. I think that's way more important in identifying in your ideal client than trying to think, how can I be the same or better than my competitors? That's a really good point for any service provider listening, because I feel like so many of them get stuck in that comparing themselves to other website designers or other copywriters. That can be really damaging to your business growth if you get stuck in that mindset. It's so true about different people, different service providers. So for my summit, I have had a few people at different summits that presented on very similar topics. We had a couple comments about that and I'm like, who they are, their experiences, their take on things are totally different. That's why I love sharing and learning from different experiences. I don't think any two people even teaching the same topic are going to have the same tips and presentation. I love learning from different viewpoints, different personalities. And I think that's important for everyone to realize that not everyone is a competitor. Even when people come to me, oftentimes beyond the copy, they're like, can you get me a good web designer? And I'm like, yeah, talk to me about your style. They will tell me things and I'm like, there's no way they would get along with this designer. And I have to match them to the designer that kind of matches their aesthetic, the way they approach things, the way they think, because we're all so different and businesses now are so person-centric. It's no longer just, you need a sales page, just find someone who can write. It's like, you need a sales page, you have to find someone who can write and sound like you. So I would love for anyone listening for you to share a little bit about the type of clients that you typically work with, how somebody can work with you. I know we've mentioned your copy rose service, which we will definitely have linked in the show notes as well as your website. So in terms of who I love working with, I love women on a mission, whether that's service-based or you have an e-commerce product, or you're really just building a personal brand. I work with a lot of coaches as well. Really, it's just women who have so much personality, so much to offer the world, but they're having a hard time conveying that in their writing. If that's who you are and what you resonate with, if you like the fiery zesty, that's how I create my brand tone. But I love working with people who have all different sorts of tones and voices. We can really craft something that's unique to you. And then when it comes to working with me, my best-selling offer is my VIP writing day, where I write your entire website or sales page in one day. Because I was feeling frustrated looking at service providers and being like, why does everyone have a six to eight week timeline? We have businesses to run. That's so long. Like, what are you going to do? Plan launches like four months in advance? I don't even know where I'm going to be in four months. I wanted to create an offer that was quick, that people could just easily get in on my calendar within two weeks and we can just get the copy done. So I offer half days, full days, and two day retreats for bigger projects. And other ways to work with me would just be if you have monthly copywriting needs like blog posts and nurture emails, I have monthly packages and I also do traditional projects if there's something that you're looking for. And as I mentioned on this podcast, if you also need a web designer, I will often partner up with someone and we can bring your whole project to life and not just the copy. I love that so much. I've worked with you. I'm excited to work with you again, and I can't recommend anyone working with you enough. I feel like your fiery copy is like what I want to be sometimes. And you're able to pull it out, (laughs) whereas I can't (laughs) in coffee. So I feel like it's a perfect match. We will have all of your links in the show notes for you guys to check out and reach out to Lucy. I definitely encourage you if you're struggling with copy, 
get started with a roast. I am definitely going to be signing up for one because I just think the entire thing is so much fun. I can't wait to get roasted. (laughs) I'm so excited. I love doing them, honestly. That is an offer that just completely has my heart. And that's the one where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. So yeah, if you sign up for a roast, just know that I had way too much fun writing that sales page. That's brilliant. Yeah. And even if you don't want to sign up or you're not ready to invest right now, just go check out that sales page and you'll fall in love. It's amazing. It's the perfect example of personality-driven copy that I've ever seen. So go check it out. Link is in the show notes. So thank you so much for joining me today. This was awesome. I love chatting with you and all things copy. I think it's something that a lot of introverts really do struggle with sometimes to find their voice. And I think it's such a powerful thing, especially for introverts who maybe don't want to share their voice through their voice. Doing it through your words can be so impactful for your business. Absolutely. Yeah. It takes away the need to use your voice. (laughs) I guess that'll be the tagline of copy. Thank you so much for joining me today. This episode may have ended, but there are ways we can stay in touch until next time. You can join me at introvertpreneur.com and at theterrorread.com, where you can find tons of blog posts and resources that will also help you grow your business. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at introvertcoach, where I share more introvert-friendly and service-based business tips with you. If you love what you're hearing, drop a five-star rating and review telling me what you are loving about the podcast so that I can continue to encourage as many introverted entrepreneurs as possible. Until next time, keep using your introvert superpowers.